The Hamlet Podcast, episode 174. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrissey. At this point in the play, some might suggest that we're at the beginning of a new scene. Everything shifts now as the king and queen and all the court return to the stage for this big fencing match. Different editions of the play will offer different insights into who comes in and indeed what they bring with them. Your text of the play might say that the attendants bring foils or gauntlets, depending on what was fashionable when your text was printed. Some will insist that a table is prepared. We will need a table for some very dramatic drinks later in the scene. My favourite is that some texts will even have them bringing cushions, a clear sign that there's an event to be watched and people to be seated. The number of actors in a company will determine the size of this audience. The stage directions are flexible in that they just mention lords and attendants, usually. Perhaps Marcellus and Bernardo could return here. Osric isn't always mentioned, but he has a role to play in this scene, and presumably this would be the least irritating time for him to appear. Once everyone has arrived and the tables, cushions and swords are arranged, our attention is directed to Claudius. He takes Laertes' hand and speaks. Come, Hamlet, come and take this hand from me. Playing the peacemaker between the two younger men, he's insisting on a very clear show of goodwill between them. Of course, it's pretty clear which side he's coming from. He's standing with Laertes and offering Laertes' hand to Hamlet. Were this anything even close to a normal or a happy family, surely the king would be holding the prince's hand. And Hamlet must now speak in response. Give me your pardon, sir. I've done you wrong. But pardon it as you are a gentleman. This presence knows, and you must needs have heard, how I am punished with sore distraction. What I have done, that might your nature, honour and exception roughly awake, I here proclaim was madness. Was Hamlet wronged Laertes? Never Hamlet. If Hamlet from himself be taken away, and when he's not himself does wrong Laertes, then Hamlet does it not. Hamlet denies it. Who does it then? His madness. If it be so, Hamlet is of the faction that is wronged. His madness is poor Hamlet's enemy. Sir, in this audience, let my disclaiming from a purposed evil free me so far in your most generous thoughts that I have shot mine arrow o'er the house and hurt my brother. It's been a while since we've had quite as long a single speech. Hamlet is attempting to use his quote-unquote madness as an excuse to justify himself to Laertes, but you'll have noticed that he doesn't specify what actions he's talking about. As ever, when he's feigning madness, since he's spent more time in the play telling us that he's not mad, there's something else going on underneath. First and foremost, we have to think about what's happening physically. Hamlet is standing with Laertes' hand in his... Some productions will have Hamlet hold his hand throughout the speech. It's a rather intimate scene as a result. Imagine standing and holding someone's hand for this length of text. And then imagine doing so with a whole court of people looking at you. It's rather long. Although, truth be told, a great majority of productions will cut chunks out of this. We are in the final scene of the play, after all. It's been a long night and perhaps people will be itching to get their last bus home. But for all that, we'll look at all of it. Hamlet starts out simply enough. Give me your pardon, sir. I've done you wrong. 
This is a reasonable request for forgiveness. Forgive me, Laertes, I have done you wrong. But pardon it, as you are a gentleman. Please forgive this wrong I've done you, as you are a gentleman. It's all fairly straightforward. And now Hamlet starts what strikes me as almost a kind of double speak. Horatio, Gertrude, and all of us in the audience know that he isn't mad, but those who are less intimately acquainted will have been told that he is. And so he now plays to the gallery, explaining his actions. This presence knows, and you must needs have heard, how I am punished with sore distraction. Everyone in the court, this presence, already knows, and even Laertes in Paris must have heard by now, that Hamlet is punished, suffering, with this sore distraction, this madness that afflicts him. We've had no warning that Hamlet will speak about this. Not even Horatio has a clue what he might have up his sleeve. And he continues, What I have done, that in your nature, honour and exception roughly awake, I here proclaim was madness. It's a blanket explanation. Whatever I did that managed to trouble you, I here proclaim was madness. It's impressive that Hamlet covers the various ways he might have affronted Laertes, his nature, his honour, or exception. This last is used here in the same way that we still might say, I take exception to that, when we disagree with something. Whatever I did to offend you, he's saying, it wasn't me, it was madness. Was it Hamlet wronged Laertes? Never Hamlet. If Hamlet from himself be taken away, and when he's not himself does wrong Laertes, then Hamlet does it not. Hamlet denies it. Now he's laying it on a little thick here. Was it Hamlet that wronged Laertes? Never. Hamlet wouldn't dream of it. Now he uses an image that is reminiscent of how we heard Ophelia described in her madness. Poor Ophelia, divided from herself and her fair judgment, if you remember that. Likewise now Hamlet is saying that if he is taken away from himself by this madness, and when he's not himself he wrongs Laertes, well then, it wasn't Hamlet, because Hamlet denies it. I wonder if any other Shakespearean character has quite as startling a third-person description of themselves as this from Hamlet. Hamlet justifying Hamlet, indeed. But since we're to believe it wasn't Hamlet, who was it? Who does it then? his madness. If it be so, Hamlet is of the faction that is wronged. His madness is poor Hamlet's enemy. His madness, then. Everything can be blamed on this madness. Not only that, and this is a very neat trick, he proclaims that Hamlet is among the wounded party in all of this. His madness is poor Hamlet's enemy. Those of the innermost circle are surely not convinced by this. Claudius knows his own guilt, and presumably has intuited that Hamlet is on to him. Laertes is standing, most likely with his hand still clasped in Hamlet's, aware of what's been planned for later in this scene, and presumably not enjoying this heavy-handed justification. Gertrude was, we hope, convinced in the closet scene, and not re-seduced by Claudius. Horatio is aware that Hamlet is not mad, and knows why he's come back to Denmark. All of which leads to a great deal of playable tension underneath this deliberately stately, formal-sounding apology. Everyone else can take it at face value. But now Hamlet goes one step further. Sir, in this audience, let my disclaiming from a purposed evil free me so far in your most generous thoughts that I have shot mine arrow o'er the house and hurt my brother. 
Laertes, he's saying, in front of all these people, this audience, let my words earn your forgiveness from your thinking that I've committed any evil against you. Hamlet is trying to distance himself in the eyes of all present from the notion of purposed evil, deliberate or malicious acts, acts like murder. And he ends with this odd turn of phrase as he pleads for forgiveness for having shot my arrow o'er the house and hurt my brother. By now, I'm fairly convinced that there's an essay out there somewhere on just about every single line of this play, and sure enough, there's more than one for this one. I'll give you details for a few of them in the show notes, if you're in need of some light reading about medieval mystery plays, or indeed a crossover comic book study about Shakespeare and superheroes. The main point is that there seems to be a slight echo here of Cain and Abel, and in particular a late medieval version of events that features Cain and his distant relative Lamech, which, in Shakespearean English, was often rendered as Lameth. And of course you can rearrange those letters of Lameth to get Hamlet. All of this is centred on the idea of inadvertently hurting one's brother. At face value, Hamlet is apologising that, in his madness, he has unwittingly done harm to Laertes. That's fair enough, but Hamlet already has focused the attention of all those mentioned above who know well that his madness is just a front. So what might this line sound like to Claudius? Let my apology here serve, in your generous thoughts, to distance me from deliberate or purposed evil, because I am not the one who shot my arrow o'er the house and hurt my brother. At no point in the play have we had any feeling that Hamlet thinks of Laertes as his brother. If things hadn't gone so horribly wrong, perhaps he might have become his brother-in-law. But if there is a Cain reference here, it's important because Cain did murder his brother, just as Claudius did. I've never seen it performed in this way, but it would be great fun to experiment with the text here and see just how far Hamlet could push this, announcing to the court that at least he is sorry for having hurt his brother, unlike the king. For Laertes' response, do be sure to join me next time. As mentioned, I'll put up those references in the show notes to accompany this episode, available as always at thehamletpodcast.com. Take care, mind yourself, and I'll speak to you next time.